Hi guys, and thanks for checking out this episode of Pink Plus. I'm Savannah Burns, and my guest speaker today is Sarah. Sarah is a mother of three who married the father of her children when she was pretty young. The marriage lasted several years, but eventually they went their separate ways. Now this cool mom is ready to share her experiences with how she stepped into the dating pool after never really having dated before. Please welcome Sarah. Um, So my name is Sarah. I'm almost 35. And my kids are, Anthony is 18, which means I had him, or almost 18, which means I had him when I was 17. And Haley is 13. And Dylan is 11. And we, they were born and raised in Tonopah. Well, they weren't born here, but they've, we've been here ever since. So Obviously, you love Anthony more than words can say, and you would never trade him for anything in the world. But having him so young, how do you feel like that's shaped who you ended up being as an adult? Oh, everything. Um, I wouldn't change it now, but I would not recommend it. It was, I do think having them so young really let me be, you know, energetic and be able to do things with them. And I do feel like I'm connected with them a little bit more because I remember what it was like. I don't know. I think everyone does, but I just think that helps a little, but I would not recommend it. I don't, I don't have regrets, but I do definitely think I would be in a different place if I, you know, had waited longer. And you ended up being in a long-term relationship and marriage with his father. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We got married when we were 19 and then had um, Haley and Dylan. And then we were married, gosh, 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. So I, we were together something like 14 or 15 total. That's, I mean, that's a long time, even when you're not 19 getting married. <laughs> right, right. So essentially, you kind of grew up with him because you guys were kids when you started having babies. Mm hmm. How did that affect your marriage long-term being married so young? Um, It was fine at first. I think it was actually kind of, it was almost like being in it kind of with a friend, I guess, more than I, I mean, I was never married older, so I can't say what it's like when you are older, but it was, you know, we were figuring everything out together and we were um, working through it and the struggles were you know, we were young, stupid kids who didn't know better or know, you know, what we should be doing. So we were just figuring it out and um, that worked really well. But eventually the growing up definitely took us in two separate directions that was not even in the same direction, not even just a separate track parallel. You know, it was just completely different directions. Yeah. Ended up being two completely different people than you were when you got together initially. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Anthony was a little bit older when you guys got divorced. Do you feel like the divorce was really hard on your kids? Oh yeah. Um, definitely. Mostly Anthony. He was 13 and being 13 is hard (laughs) when you're just existing. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely harder. Dylan was only gosh, six, six, I think. And she was, I don't want to say fine. It was hard and there's still, you know, there's always going to be lasting effects of it, but it was definitely much easier on her than Anthony. So not only being in a small town, 
but then also not really having much dating experience because you were with this person for so long. What's dating like for you now? Difficult. It's really hard. It's, I didn't even know how to do it. And I think growing up in a small town, I don't know if everyone's experience was this, but everything feels so long-term when you get with some, almost all my friends, we all had the, you know, the same boyfriend long-term or, um, I mean, a lot of them also did marry their high school sweethearts, you know, some have worked out and some not, but, um, everything had to be so serious. So what was really foreign to me as an adult was actually dating that it was okay to go out with somebody and be like, yeah, not so much, or, you know, go out a few times or, you know, not even being super exclusive, you know, just meeting people and hanging out. And I feel like I never experienced that here, you know, as a younger person, I don't know what it would have been like as a young adult in a small place, but the pool is just so tiny. Yeah. Tonopah definitely has a, an energy of domesticity. Yes. You go on a date with a person and then six months later you're moving in. And it's like, I don't really even remember the fun dating part, we were just kind of attached at the hip and that was it. Now we have babies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it does seem like that even with adult, you know, I see some of my friends now who are also divorced dating. It's still, it seems like you still just fall into that here. Mm -hmm. Have you reached out into a bigger pool, like surrounding areas or anything to date or? Yeah, definitely. So the first person I dated after I got divorced actually lived in Reno. Um, that was a little too far and that didn't work out. Um, then I dated someone here, which I thought would be, you know, easier and better, but there's just not, you know, if it doesn't click, it doesn't click, but it's, you know, two and a half hours or even three hours isn't too far to make something work. And I've just found that there's just a bigger pool and that's that, you know, it sounds kind of shallow, I guess, you know, to have want more options, but it just, it was hard here. When I first got divorced, I was like, Hey, I can date whoever I want. Like, that's kind of cool. And then I looked around and I was like, but who? <laughs> like, <there's Right>. no <laughs> everybody's either married or divorced and has kids. So then you have other people that you have to factor into the equation or, you know, who they were married to. Yep. There's just, there's a whole lot of strings, a whole lot of extra steps that goes along with dating in a small town. Yeah, for sure. My mom had actually, you know, brought up a few ideas and that's what I, I literally said, um, I don't want to deal with the ex, like, you know, co-parenting with just, and you know, some of the people here too, you end up having history with not necessarily negative, but you know, if, if you have anything other than a good relationship with that other person, that makes it hard. Mm -hmm. Have you had any negative experiences with your ex-husband dating with it also being a small town? Um, so I really don't care who he dates and the best thing would be for him to date someone that, you know, the kids would fit in with and, you know, would have a good, I don't know. I, I kind of picture it as more people to love them, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, as long as it's healthy, we have definitely gone through him being in some toxic relationships that actually resulted in, I have, um, primary custody. So just because of decisions that were being made on the other side. And hopefully that changes and hopefully um, it can be a more rounded situation. But 
it's where they're, the kids are doing great and are well-rounded. And I just try really hard to be sure that they're seeing healthy relationships on my side, because even our relationship towards the end of the marriage was not healthy. I don't know that it ever really was just because we were just kids and then, Mm -hmm. you know, growing apart, but it, it definitely was very toxic at the end. I remember Anthony said to me, why don't you guys get divorced? Cause then maybe you could at least be friends someday. And that was a huge wake up call to me. Like for a 13 year old to say that that's. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah. I, it, it hurt me that he felt that way or, you know, saw that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have primary custody because of some stuff that went down um, with partners that he's chosen. How is the relationship between you and him now? Are you guys civil? Yeah. Um, and face to face, it has always been civil. If that makes sense at all. That I mean, it sounds weird. Um, we've always done okay with, Hey, I'm dropping the kids off at this time, whatever. But there's a, there was a lot of toxicity in the home um, and, you know, negative talking. And I don't know how much Anthony would want me to put out there, but, you know, there was a lot of, he thought I was the bad guy. I mean, there was, there was a good year that he hated me. He, and, you know, there's no point in placing blame, but I mean, he really, he hated me. And I let him because I refused to be the person that talked, you know, crap. And I didn't want him to feel badly towards his dad. But that definitely started to change once, you know, he started making his opinions known. And I think that brings up a really good point that a lot of times we as parents, either we don't realize how much is being listened to. Like kids are just in the room and they're sidetracked and you don't think they're even paying attention. But kids pick up on a lot of that stuff. And I had, I had an issue with that when I was little, because a lot of people don't know, um, the dad that raised me is not my biological father. He adopted me. So my biological father, when I would go down for weekend visitations and stuff, he would say a lot of really nasty, negative things about my dad, the person who actually stepped up to raise me. And I remember that I don't have a whole lot of like good memories of my biological dad, because at that point I just kind of shut down. Like, I don't realize, I don't think parents realize the, the weight of the words that they carry when it comes to their co-parents. Right. Right. And that it sticks with the kids, you know, mm-hmm. you, it's just words, but that colors the whole way they feel about half of who they are, I think. And it did nothing but have the opposite effect. It made me feel more strongly about my dad who really cared about me and was not saying anything negative about my biological father. Like I might've been at a young age, but I think that's when I started to kind of open my eyes and see people for their true colors. Uh huh. So it's kind of interesting. I wonder, I wonder what kind of effect that had on Anthony. I mean, obviously you guys are good now, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's, um, he actually has no contact at all with his dad. Um, like, like at all the end period, um, which is bad for him. It, me too. And it, it affects him more than he realizes, but uh, you know, there's nothing that age. Yeah. Yeah. And kids are hard anyway. I mean, being 17 and it's time to make life decisions, you know, and, you know, add anything on top of that. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Does he have a good relationship with 
your boyfriend now? This probably the best. Um, I, I mean, I haven't dated a whole lot, but pretty good. Um, it made a huge difference. The first time my boyfriend came up to visit, he didn't stay here. My, well, my current boyfriend, he didn't stay here the first time, obviously, or even the second time he got a hotel, but he pulled Anthony aside and he said, Hey, you know, I wanted to thank you for letting me stay here, you know, and I really like your mom and I'm interested in, you know, kind of being around, you know, he's like, I don't want to be your dad. Like you have a dad, but you know, I really like your mom and I'd like to see where it goes. And that was huge for him. That was the first person that pulled him aside and said, Hey, you know, man to man, here's what I want. And, you know, thanking him for staying here. I think Anthony kind of felt like he was acknowledging that this was his space because the kids are very territorial Mm -hmm. boys and girls, but especially the boys. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And being a kid of divorce, they almost kind of take on that like man of the house role. Mm-hmm. So it's important for another guy to acknowledge, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to invade your space. This is right. still your domain. I would just also like to share this domain. <laughs> right. Well, and especially Anthony, cause it's not fair at all, but he really did kind of become the man of the house. You know, when I need the swamp cooler hooked up, it's me and him up there. When I have a bad day and I'm upset, you know, I, I try not to unload anything too heavy on him, but he can see it, you know, and he's the one who hears it. And you know, picking up the girls from school because I can't leave work. And, you know, so, I mean, he he actually literally did become the man of the house for four years. I bet your boyfriend saying that to Anthony helped you build a better relationship with him also, huh? Yeah, yeah, it really did. It was the first time. Um, He's also actually the first time he actually introduced himself to the kid's dad. Also, the first time that we brought the kids over there and he was up here because he said, you know, I, I feel like I owe you the courtesy of you knowing who I am. And then I think that went a long way too with the kid, you know, cause the kids see that, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that I think helps them to see. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's good to have co-parents that can at least be civil and get along. And I would want to know who's around my children. Oh, for sure. Me too. And it's, it's a bummer when it's not someone you want around your children. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you finally got back into the dating pool after being married for so long, what were you looking for at that time? I had no idea because of, uh, you know, I had never dated. I, I never even had to meet people, you know, and in a small town, even the people that you do date, whether it's high school or after, you know them, you know, so I didn't know. So the first person, you know, that I dated for a while, I met at a friend's birthday party by a freak chance. But um, I quickly started to weed out more of what I didn't want than what I wanted. And um, I just, I definitely didn't want, uh, I don't know how to sound judgy because I mean, I drink, but you know, I don't want someone who drinks heavily. Um, that was big to me and someone financially responsible, which is hard to find. And that's the thing too, is when I went back into dating, you have to ask these hard questions that aren't, you normally wouldn't ask, but it's like, no, look, I have kids and I want to be sure that I'm not wasting my time. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a hot mess of a person, but I mostly have dated people kind of too significantly older than me. And I have found that that's more of my maturity level. I think, you know, I was looking for someone stable, someone with a career, someone, 
you know, who kind of had their shit together because people my even my age don't. It's kind of funny that you bring that up. I feel like moms care more about that than dads. Like, I don't know if many men who in your position would be like, okay, now I need to find a woman who's going to be good around my kids, who's going to be financially responsible, who I feel comfortable take, you know, bringing home or doesn't drink too much because I don't want my kids to see that or like all that stuff. But a mom's like, all right, I got, I got 10 things that you can or cannot be because I got kids, yo, I got to protect more than just myself. And dudes are just like, well, I'm divorced now. And now it's time to have fun. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was probably the biggest shock to me was I kind of thought it was going to be that way. This is going to be fun. But then I was like, oh, I can't bring you home or, you know, I don't want my kids to meet you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, did you deal with any sort of depression or anything after the divorce or was it ended pretty amicably? So I've had a really weird. Well, maybe it's not weird. I think a lot of people have it, but like a, a roller coaster with um, depression and anxiety. My, I'm predisposed to it, um, genetically mm-hmm. to like anxiety and depression. Just, it's just a common thing in my family, but I was extraordinarily depressed and I didn't know it at the time. Cause I had never gotten help, but before I got divorced, I was drinking too much. I was sleeping. There are months I don't remember and not because I was so drunk or anything, but like, I literally blocked them out. I don't, I obviously took care of the kids because they're here, but I don't know how because I did what I had to do and I slept. That was it. And then after I got divorced, I got help. And then I actually had another relationship that was a great relationship. Fantastic. On paper, the best person. I cannot say anything negative about the relationship. But my, like the situations that I was in, and they, again, they weren't bad, but I wasn't doing anything. I was sitting around. I was, um, I got in that again to where I was sleeping all the time. But luckily because of the therapy and work I had done before, I recognized it, got myself the heck out of there. And then I actually got medicated. Um, I had an anxiety attack driving on the highway and it was terrifying. So, um, I finally have like my medication, right. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better at seeing it. I still like go through it, you know, up and down, but, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough a couple of times. So do you think your body just kind of goes into autopilot when you experience too much stress or trying to think what, what this relationship and the end of your marriage would have in common that might've triggered that? Right. And I don't, I don't know how that works. And I never, you know, really went into it. The therapy, you know, when I went to therapy, you know, talking through it and, you know, coping and stuff like that, we didn't go a whole lot, I guess, into, you know, what, I don't know what triggers it or what, um, the divorce was just really bad. We were, I was in a very bad place. So, I mean, I think that was a combination of everything and how I got everything done. This last time that I was really depressed too, my therapist said, well, you look nice. Like you do your hair, you do your makeup, you go to work. And I said, yeah, because my kids won't eat. So, you know, like you brought up the autopilot. I never really thought of it that way, but it's almost like I know what I need to do and I don't want to, but I have to, I don't have a choice. So I do it and I keep on and 
Yeah. You don't really let yourself feel it too much. You just put the face on and keep your head down and do what you have to do to survive the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. How long did that last for you after the divorce? So I think because the divorce or because the relationship was so toxic and I was actually really discouraged from getting therapy, which is on me. I should have just done it, but I started going to therapy immediately. That was something I always wanted to do and went so that it went away pretty quickly because I was out of the situation. It also kind of put me in survival mode and I don't know. I like to be busy. I, you know, I don't know how it all works, but you know, kind of like being on my own and getting the house set up. And I was working three jobs and doing everything. I actually liked that. And I was taking care of myself for the first time ever. Cause I basically went from my parents' house to, you know, my home with a family. So it, that actually helped me a lot. The, the second time it got really bad. Like I said, I don't know what it was, but I did, I went back to therapy and that one was slower. I mean, it was kind of like digging my way back out. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned going from your parents' house to then your family home and then now having to start over on your own. Was that hard having to get yourself back onto two feet all by yourself? The actual doing it wasn't because I kind of always did everything. You know, I've, I'm okay. I Even though I didn't make the money, I paid the bills, you know. So, I mean, I knew how to do everything. But what's hardest is like the the emotional side, the if I mess up my kids, it's on me. And I mean, it always is, but, um, you know, when the kids want to do something and you can talk to your spouse about it, you know, to see, you know, is it a good idea? Am I making the right choice? You know, I don't have that. I don't, there's not enough of me to get everything done. And that part was the, the hardest part for me, the, and the, the loneliness, you know, I always say like, I'm never alone, but I'm always lonely. Not always, but no one's taking care of you. Right. How do you handle the situation with Anthony not talking to his dad? Does his dad ever bring it up to you? Like, do you feel like you're ever the middleman? No, it's never been that. And I didn't allow it initially early on, even with the girls and Anthony, if they asked something, you know, Hey, my dad wants to know if we can go this weekend. Then I would just text him directly. Hey, you know, the kid, the girls said that you wanted them to go camping this weekend or whatever, you know? So what's the plan? What's going on? Um, cause I don't want them in the middle at 17 and even 16 when it kind of all went south. Like I feel like I can't tell Anthony what he has to do to which, you know, the, a judge agreed with, you know, it's actually on paper that he doesn't have to go if he doesn't choose to. So I encourage him to go every time the girls go, I offer, but I don't, I don't know. I don't ignore it because I'm huge on conversation and communication, but I also don't push too hard. Cause I think me pushing him too hard would make him kind of resent me or not talk to me about it. So I try to stay neutral while being encouraging. What does Anthony need to be able to want to go back? What does he need from the relationship? I have no idea. Cause he says there's nothing. Huh. He's, but he's also a teenager and you know, they kind of go off kind of half cocked sometimes, but I, I don't know. I don't, 
I don't even know how an apology or, you know, what comes now. And it all started with um, your ex speaking negatively about you at their, at his house? Well, that started the original, like the initial Anthony hated me. That, you know, he, he told him that the divorce was my fault and I didn't want to be around them. I'm still to this day, not completely sure what happened with him ending up here. He like, it just started to get bad. And I think some of that's normal with teenage boys and their dads. Um, So I'm not, you know, completely clear on what all happened, but eventually he asked. And of course, I mean, I'm not going to say no, of course you can come here. So I don't know. Um, tell me about a time that you felt the most alone through all of this. Oh, I don't even know all the time. (laughs) Like that, if it sounds terrible and it's not as, you know, sad as it sounds, but hmm, I don't know. That's hard. Probably going through the custody stuff, you know, having, I have the best family that anyone can have, like everyone in my family is amazing. So they're there, but, you know, having to navigate, am I going to get them or are they going to be in a bad situation? You know, that kind of stuff. And the hard thing for that, cause I was dating someone at the time and, you know, he was there, but it's not the same. It's not, you know, it's, it's my problem. And if it's not your kids, you know, you don't feel like I do. Mm-hmm. So going through that basically by myself was, it was hell. It was, it was awful. That sounds really hard to go from having, I mean, being in a toxic relationship, but at least you have the kids together to then getting to be healthy by yourself, but now having to share your kids with someone else. Yeah, it's, that's terrible. That was, I hated when they were gone. I still do. I mean, they're only gone one weekend a month, but. I, I hate an empty house. I hate a quiet house. I hate wondering what they're doing, which I'm not super, con- you know, I, but, you know, we talk all the time, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? Who are you going to be with? And, you know, I is there know. something you do for yourself that gets you through those weekends? Um, usually I just sleep a lot because I never get to do that, <laughs> but, or, you know, read a book, stay busy. I, for the first few years, Dude, I slept on my mom's couch every day. Or like I'd go over there for dinner and then I'd watch TV with them. Like how long into your relationship with your current boyfriend did you bring him around your kids? So we had talked about it when we first started, you know, talking and we said six months. That's when we want to do it. But we really clicked and felt that we wanted to, you know, try to make it work. So it was only three months, but, um, like I said, he didn't stay here. You know, we didn't have the kids over here, but we introduced the kids to each other after we had been together or, you know, talking for three months. So you, at that point you had figured out, like, I'm comfortable enough with this person that I trust bringing them around. Yes. And had you talked to your kids about him prior to them meeting? Yes. Yeah. I, so I talked to them, when I was even interested. So, and it's, it's not in depth, you know, I'm not putting the adult decisions on them or anything like that, you know, but Hey, there's this new guy I'm talking to, you know, Hey, here's where he lives. This is what he does. You know, this is kind of who it is, you know, Hey, I was thinking, 
he could come up. He has kids your guys' age, you know, that might be fun. You know, I was thinking they'll come up and then, hey, they're coming this weekend. That way they're never surprised. Have they been really receptive to it? Very, very. It's nothing's perfect because kids, but so his youngest and my, and Dylan get along and play and have the best time. And then his um, older daughter and Haley just teenage out, just, you know, being annoying girls, (laughs) but it's been fairly seamless. It's, which kind of is, I don't know, like concerning. I'm almost like, why is this working so well? (laughs) Yeah. You keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. All the time. How does Anthony feel about the mix of the family? I think he's, he's as okay with it. He's more okay with it than he has been with any other ones. And he does actually hang out with us, but he, you know, he's not super, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they're coming, you know, and, and he is quite a bit older, but, um, and he's busy. He's hardly gone on any of our, you know, trips and stuff because he's busy, but he seems more receptive than he has with any previous. I'm glad you keep your kids involved and in the loop about things that affect them. I mean, long-term having another man around plus his kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, What made you decide to keep them as, as involved as you have? I, I really just parent, I think how I want to be treated and again, not adult decisions, but I don't let my kids just show up with someone you know, and Hey, they're here to stay for the weekend or something. So I assume they wouldn't like that. Mm -hmm. We're very open though. Like I, I talk to them about a lot of stuff and I just, I think it's going to prepare them better for the future. And also like, this is their space, their safe space. This is the only place that they should feel like they know they can come to and not have to wonder who's here. Can you credit any of your more progressive parenting styles to how young you were when you started having kids? I assume so. <laughs> um, it's not how I was raised. And I, you know, I, I really truly do have the best parents, but we did not talk like I talked to my kids. And, you know, I, I talk about growing up with, you know, the kid's dad, but I almost feel like I kind of grew up with Anthony. That's exactly what my sister-in-law said about her oldest too. Okay. Yeah. She, um, she had him, I think she was like 20, but she had only been with the boy's dad for like four months or something. So she was pretty young. They were fresh in the relationship and stuff when they started having babies. And she said the exact same thing. I think we kind of just grew up together and that's why we have such an open relationship. Mm -hmm. Are you as open with Haley and Dylan as you are with Anthony? Yes and no. I'm, I think I will be. I'm a lot more open with Anthony because he's basically an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can talk to him, you know, bluntly. The girls and I are very open, um, you know, as far as the, the teenage stuff, the preteen stuff, the body stuff, the hormone stuff. I mean, almost to the point that I'm like, could you tell me a little less? <laughs> but I hope that we get there, you know, as they are older, that we do have a lot more you know, deep, honest conversations and so that they can see. I also want them to know it's hard and I I don't want them burdened with it, but I don't, 
like, I want them to know I come home after a shit day sometimes and I need to lay in bed for 20 minutes just to be like, what the fuck just happened? So Do you ever talk to your kids about um, your depression episodes? Not very often because I never really thought about it. It's not that I don't. And they know I'm medicated and they know it's for depression and anxiety. But I've never really, I did actually just have a conversation with Haley last night. She was upset about something and she didn't want to tell me. And that's fine. I don't want to tell everybody everything. But I told her that, like, I probably actually know how you feel. And she said something about crying. I said, yeah, just do it in the shower. Like, if you just need to cry and there's not actually a problem you need to talk about, like, just cry in the shower. She's like, you do that too? So, you know, somewhat like that. But I, I never have actually, like, sat them down and said, hey, you know, I'm depressed. But I don't know. How did you find out that it was depression you were dealing with? Because you've been dealing with it for a while before you went to therapy, right? So mm-hmm. did it ever occur to you at that time that that's what it could be? No, no idea. And I actually, a few times when I was like a much younger mother, like in my 20s, I remember not being able to breathe and my chest being tight just constantly. And I was like, this is weird. I should probably go to the doctor, but I need to change a diaper and I don't have time. And I actually thought it was something like with my body, like there was something wrong that I saw the depression and actually realized that I had had anxiety all the way back to high school. I mean, to the point that it is now that I probably would have benefited from being medicated then because I look back and, you know, there were times I thought I was dying, like having a heart attack or something. You know, I had no idea it was just anxiety. Do you feel like you might have been treated sooner if Tonopod had more mental health resources? Yes, absolutely. I also think if if there were even, I, I don't know how this works, so I don't want to speak incorrectly, but if people even knew what to look for, because I don't know that I came in contact with anybody who would have recognized it. You know, it wasn't in school like it is now. It wasn't, I think everyone should go to therapy. Like I just think everyone, you know, I had a a picture perfect life. If you look at it, I had the best parents, everything, you know, not, not a whole lot of huge trauma, but man, I get depressed. Like, you know, so I think if anyone had been more aware of it and just looking and the resources were available here, it would have made a huge difference. Did you experience any of your depression um, in your postpartum phase or was your postpartum pretty okay? Um, no, my postpartum was fine. I never had, I really seem, I don't know how it actually works with depression, but I really thrive being busy. I really just do. And I don't know if I'm ignoring it. <laughs> Or what, but, you know, after the kids were, and especially, you know, I had them so close together, so young, you know, I was so busy and I feel I was made to be a mom. Like I, that's what I always wanted to do. It's what I am so glad I did. So I didn't, luckily I didn't, cause I don't know that anyone would have seen those signs. Did it take you a few tries to get on a medication that worked for you? Or did you have good results with the very first one you tried? So good results with the first medication, but I did have to up the dose three times (laughs) before I was like, okay, now it's working. But it helped too that I have family members on the same medication. So I did tell my doctor, you know, is it possible that it would work well for me if it's working well for 
you know, direct family members. Do you see a therapist in Tonopah or do you have to travel? I traveled. I went to Reno and I actually, I haven't seen a therapist in quite a while now. It helped a lot of the tools that, you know, I came out with the, the first couple of times helped me. I, you know, I seem to be able to get myself out, but being medicated is definitely the, the way to go. Definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to somebody who is fresh out of a divorce and is now trying to navigate the dating pool? Ooh, that's hard too. So don't rush. There's no hurry at all. And make sure that everybody is on the same page, regardless of what it is. Just involving your kids, like they're old enough to handle it. And I found that if I'm scared to tell my kids, it's because I think they won't approve. And that's kind of a red flag. Like anything I can't be open about, I feel like there has to be a reason. Because if I can't just say, hey, I want you to meet this guy. Well, why? That's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like your own mother's intuition telling you. Yeah. You're not really ready to acknowledge yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. I never really thought about what it is. My family has known Sarah for years. Her son and my brother are the same age, and I used to see her and the kids at events for Boy Scouts or T-Ball. We would always see her with a warm smile while she ushered her little ones around. I guess that's why it surprised me to discover that she battles depression and anxiety also. But honestly, it shouldn't have surprised me. It should never surprise me because depression and anxiety look different for everyone and on everyone. That's why I'm so glad Sarah sat down with me. Not only is her experience of dating after marriage important to share with anyone who may be trying to navigate the dating scene, but her experience of finding out she had anxiety is imperative too. She didn't know what anxiety looked like prior and didn't know how to get help for it. She's also not embarrassed to say that she takes medication for it, and that's a big deal in our society right now. She and my other guests are helping break the stigma that surround depression and anxiety, and I'm excited to be a part of something that big. If you're interested in helping make a change and want to tell your story, please reach out to me. Message me on Instagram at Pink Plus Podcast. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.